Welcome to Talk Soup, a podcast from the Michigan Association of Superintendents and Administrators. Today, we're talking with attorney Robert Schindler about our ORS lawsuit. Tune in to hear more about where the case stands, how this might affect you and your retirement, and what's next. You're listening to Talk Soup, a hearty podcast full of education news and information served up fresh straight from the MASA kitchen. We're sitting down with Michigan education leaders to discuss hot topics and their impact to school administrators from across the state. So grab a spoon. Soup's up. Hello, and welcome to Talk Soup. I'm Dr. Tina Kerr, MASA's Executive Director. On today's episode, we're sitting down with attorney Robert Schindler from Miller Johnson. Bob is representing MASA in our lawsuit against the state's Office of Retirement Services regarding the NSI. Thanks for joining us, Bob. Thanks for having me, Tina. I really appreciate uh, getting a chance to talk to you about this. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you on behalf of myself, our members. Uh, you have just been incredible, and we appreciate all the hard work you've had done on this case and representing us. I also want to thank our members who uh, contributed to this case and stood with us through it all. It's been a very long road, and uh, we really appreciate everything that you've done to get us to this point. So let's start with a few questions. Uh, let's start at the very beginning. What is the NSI and how is it keeping our members getting their true retirement earnings? Yeah, well, first, Tina, uh, th- thank you. And I, I, I just wanna say, I really do appreciate MASA and all that you guys do and, and sticking with, with this process. It, it, litigation is long and hard sometimes. And uh, it's, it's been awesome the way MASA has supported us in this fight and, and through your membership and everything. So thank you as well. Um, but as far as your, your question, um, as most folks are aware who are in the system, right? Um, majority of people who are, who are currently in the system still, especially uh, administrators are in a defined benefit program, which means that their retirement is going to be based upon their compensation, their final average compensation. And so um, what, what it is that you earn from a compensation standpoint, according to, to the ORS, is really important for your retirement. And the NSI is basically a limitation on that, uh, that the ORS has created uh, based on what they say was language in the statute, but what we say doesn't apply. And, and, and in essence, um, there's, a, there's a part of the statute that says that people can only receive increases that are within the normal salary schedule and anything else is outside of what is compensation. I don't want to get too deep into the weeds about what it was for, but, um, but, but basically it, it wasn't meant to intend uh, to, to apply to superintendents and assistant superintendents uh, as we see it. And, and the statute has been, has been used to create this normal salary increase, which is a, uh, a table that the ORS has created that would limit any increases that superintendents or assistant superintendents can receive on a year-to-year basis. So what we're talking about here, Bob, is really about fairness and the retirement security that's at stake for our, our district leaders, administrators, and superintendents. So as you can imagine, uh, I have dozens and dozens of examples, as I'm sure you do, about what's been happening. And I have to say, Bob, my phone rang off the hook, and I think you even got a few of those last week. But this 
ORS is in this process of uh, going back and reviewing and it, we're in the year 2017, 18. And so a lot of superintendents were getting those letters. And what I'm concerned about is, is even though there's a lot of different examples, the one or two that came to mind is that either they took a salary freeze because the district was in trouble and um, then they tried to, once the district recovered, then they tried to give them more salary, which of course flagged our ORS, or they came through and they said, hey, I'm going to start as a new superintendent at lower, but you know, once you, I prove myself or you see that I'm, I'm capable, then we'll bump the salary up and boom, they're getting a flag. So what, what's your thoughts or comments? Is this really going to help us with these types of situations? Yeah, Tina, so, you, you know, you're right. I mean, obviously when the economy was really bad, um, at, you know, in, in the early 210s, um, you saw a lot of the first example that you gave, which is, you know, people taking freezes or even decreases, and then they get a bump, maybe even back to where they were before if they had a decrease. And, and they say, well, you got a 5% increase this year, and that's above the NSI. And, you're, and the superintendents are like, wait a minute, I, I'm, still, I'm still at where I, where I was five years ago now. Um, so we saw a lot of that. We see less of that now, you know, as, as things have gotten a little bit better from an economic standpoint. But your second example, I think, is a really important one. And that's the one that we, we hear a lot about, right, which is somebody who it's their first superintendent job and they start off low and they uh, or not even big bumps, maybe even just like, you know, decent bumps in their salary. And, and, and ORS comes in and says, no, this is too much. And, and to me, this really points at the point you made before about fairness, uh, because I think that's a really important piece, because what what happens is, you know, when we talk about a normal salary schedule, you know, what that generally means is, is as we all know, right, a salary table or a salary schedule that's in a collective bargaining agreement. Well, in those scenarios, the two parties work, they negotiate what they believe is fair and what the districts can afford. And, and as long as they stay within that, then, then ORS is okay with it. Even if, and, and Tina, I know you've seen it before too, right? You might have a collective bargaining agreement where in one step to another, you're getting a seven, eight, 10, 12% bump in some cases. And here they're telling us, you know, you can't have more than 4% uh, or something along those lines, a lot of years or 3% in some cases. So so, so yeah, I mean, I think taking taking away that um, that cap, which is what we're trying to do here, and what our you know hopefully the lawsuit will accomplish. I mean, we we have the opinion from the court of appeals, and I know we're going to get more into the process here, but um, we have the opinion, and we're now kind of waiting on the Supreme Court. But if, if we can win this, it removes that sort of arbitrary cap, so it really will make a big incentive for others. Now, that doesn't mean that there isn't some way that the ORS could limit in, in the future, right? I mean, the statute does talk about the idea of, try, of what we call spiking, you know, trying to raise your FAC in the last couple of years with one way or another. And so there'll still be means, I'm sure, to do that. But what happens if, with this is that it really hinders people all along the way of their career, not just at the end of their career. Well, Bob, and I know I said there's lots of examples. The one that we're seeing more of is just that there's such a shortage in positions and a lot of superintendents are taking on two or three more duties. And it seems like they're continuing to get penalized by ORS, which is 
extremely frustrating when they're stepping up to cover HR, business managers, whatever. In fact, bus drivers, we've seen that. <laughs> um, so I hope that it, ultimately when this is all done, that that will kind of be a no brainer, which it appears to be now. But unfortunately, a lot of our soups are still getting tagged with that. Well, and the hard part about it, because of the way the NSI functions, you know, through our lawsuit, they have made some changes. You know, we started this lawsuit a few years ago. Um, you know, since then, they've added into the, the reporting instruction manual or the RIM. They've added in some language to say, well, OK, if there's a bona fide freeze or a reduction, um, you know, then we'll look at that. It, it's very sort of nebulous in, in the way they phrase it, like not everything's okay, but we'll have some allowance for that. And same thing for if you take on extra duties. But the hard part is it works It works from a, from a backwards concept, right? So instead it hits you with the NSI and then says, okay, now prove to us that you, that you can justify this. And so, so it, it, it's always putting these administrators behind the eight ball to make sure that their contracts are 100% right or else the ORS will find some reason why the, the, the salary increase shouldn't count. We could talk all day about those, right? I mean, <laughs> especially for poor administrators that have retired and then they get the letter three years later, you know, right. what, what are they supposed to do about that? But I know, I know um, our listeners are probably wanting to get to a little bit of the history. We've been working on this since yeah. 2018. So can you talk a little bit about our history? And um, I know it's seen a lot of action and a lot of different courts, which can be very confusing for our members. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I, you know, I, I had gotten involved in this because I was working with some individual administrators, uh, you know, years ago on their own appeals, trying to, to get the NSI lifted. Um, and our firm had been working with several. And, and so through that process, um, you know, some of these administrators that we were dealing with on their appeals and, and others were in the were in the ear of MASA and, and uh, Chris Weigen, who was at that time the, the director, uh, he and I began some conversations talking about what this was. And, and the executive board decided they wanted to move forward with the lawsuit. So we had started uh, at the filing an internal appeal with, with the ORS, the ORS board, asking them to find that the NSI was unlawful. Now, we didn't think there was very much chance that they would actually do so, but we knew we had to do that as part of the process uh, for the lawsuit, because otherwise the courts would say you didn't try your administrative remedies and they would kick us back um, and, and, and dismiss the suit. So we did that the ORS board predictably said, no, the NSI is fine. So then we filed a lawsuit uh, in the Court of Claims, uh, which is uh, basically the specialty court within the state of Michigan for filing a lawsuit against the state of Michigan. It's, uh, it's currently part of the Court of Appeals, and it's, it's a trial court that's within the Court of Appeals. So we filed that and went through several motions. The, the state tried to dismiss it on two separate occasions and eventually they were successful. Uh, the Court of Appeals judge at that point said uh, that the statute allowed the, the creation of this NSI and that the, the application of the NSI was consistent with the statute. And we had other claims as well under the Administrative Procedures Act and the constitution and the like. So 
So we did. So that took some time. And then from there, we filed an appeal with the Michigan Court of Appeals. Uh, and just uh, this summer, uh, the end of the summer, we, we received a decision from from them, which uh, was was great. We, we were victorious and we had a unanimous decision, published decision of the Court of Appeals that said didn't even look at the constitutional arguments or the Administrative Procedures Act and some of the other things that we had argued and said, no, um, the statute doesn't the statute doesn't apply to this situation in the NSI, it, it doesn't give ORS any right to create this NSI uh, or to implement it. And so now we're now we're awaiting the next step. So the um, the state has filed an, an application for leave to appeal with the Michigan Supreme Court. Um, the good part is the Supreme Court doesn't have to take this case. Uh, it's not like the Court of Appeals where they had to take our case. In this case, they don't. So we're awaiting now. We've responded in saying that they shouldn't take it, that the Court of Appeals was correct. Um, so now we're awaiting the Supreme Court to, to decide whether they're even going to take the case at all. And then from there, we, we would have to move forward to see if uh, how they find if they do. So, Bob, it's not going to be, obviously, the Supreme Court doesn't move at lightning speed, nor do any of the court systems, obviously. <laughs> but let's just say that the Supreme Court says, we're not going to hear the case. Yeah. It's not like, poof, now everyone gets their money. Uh, what happens after that? I mean, we celebrated that we won the first step, which we should. But now people are questioning, I thought we won. Why am I getting these letters? Why am I getting this? And so what happens if they don't hear the case? It sticks and we start planning on, on what happens with those, the, the unlawfulness of the NSI? Right. Yeah. No, it, it's funny to your point. I just got an email a week or two ago from an administrator who had the MASA update. And then it was like, wait a minute, why? I got this letter. And I got this update. So why am I still getting hit with the NSI if we won? Um, so, so to your point, there's still a process. Uh, the, the decision of the Court of Appeals uh, is not implemented yet at this point because they're appealing to the to the Supreme Court. And so that's that it's what they call a, it stays the decision, meaning it, it, it you know it holds it off until it's final. It's not final yet. So if the Supreme Court says, no, we're not going to take it. That's best case scenario for us right now. The appeals courts, uh, uh, because they're, they're, they're appeals courts, they only look at the legal issues. They don't get into the intricacies of issuing orders that sort of implement the case. And so at the end of the Supreme Court decision, you'll see it says, we remand this case back to the court of claims to issue an order consistent with our opinion. And so what that means is now it's going to have to go back to the court of claims and the judge there will then have to issue an order uh, that's consistent with the Court of Appeals order. But, but what that looks like still, we're trying to figure out. You know, When we had asked in our case, one of the, the points of relief that we asked for was that they find the NSI to be unlawful. And then that the ORS is required to reassess everyone who's been hit with the NSI. Uh, or, you know, who, for, for whom it's affected either their ongoing compensation levels or their pensions for those who are already retired. So one of the questions is going to be how the court of claims handles that and, and whether they do that in that manner or not. Um, hopefully they will. Um, and then that will start the process of the ORS reassessing everything. 
If not, we may have to think about next steps, whether that's you know trying to file a case or something along those lines. Um, but there is going to have to be a process here by which they eventually will look at people and say, okay, especially for those who are who are retired and have had their pensions lowered, um, you know how, how that's going to work in terms of getting getting back pay, adjusting their pensions going forward. Um, do they, they try and make the adjustment on a going forward basis with that, that we still need to figure, we need to figure out once we get there. So that's probably what's most frustrating for, uh, I think our members and certainly those that are involved in um, dispute letters. I mean, I know you and I have talked and I've been telling everyone, please file the appeal within the timeline. You know, let's, let's just pretend like we haven't won because ultimately you know, we could be talking another year, two, even longer, because if ORS is sending out letters from 2017, 18, that would be my concern is once we get through all the court systems and they say, okay, now you got to go back and figure all this out. How long could that potentially take, Bob? Well, it's a great question, Tina. And I can't say I have a, a great answer for you. Yeah. I knew you probably didn't, but that's something that's really alarming to me, you know, for especially those that are retired or trying to plan for their retirement. This is just kind of a mess for them. For sure. It's 100%. And I, and I think it, it even shows you what, you know, this is one of the points we were making with the courts when it came to this NSI is the the whole thing is backward looking, which which makes it so difficult on our on the members, right? Because it's not like again going back to this fairness issue. It, if you bargain a contract, you know here's what the contract is for this year, and maybe even two, three, four years down the line, depending on how long of a CBA you have. And if you're within that the ORS isn't going to blink at it, but our administrators, they negotiate their employment contracts and then they have to hold their breath, right? Because heck, the NSI isn't going to come out until the fall for the previous year. So even, even after you negotiate that contract, you have to worry about you know what it's going to look like in the next year. And then to your point, by the time they assess these things and, and they do the they, they look at everyone, it's usually a couple of years behind, uh, or oftentimes it is. So it makes it really hard. Uh, as, as far as how long it will take, you know, the truth of the matter is, best case scenario, I think we're looking at probably within the next six months, the NSI is off the books. And, and they're not applying it anymore. Now, we still will have to figure out all the rest, right? The How do we take care of the people who have been, who have been hurt by it in one way or another, or been, you know, it's, it, where it's affected them? Um, you know, worst case scenario, we have a year with the, with the Supreme Court, and then who knows what happens from there. So, um, you know, the, the, the time frame will be, will, will be one of the bigger points that we're going to be working on through this. Uh, and we'll have to, we'll have to figure that out as we go, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I know. And, and, you know, as much as we try and talk to our members, you know, the, these jobs are already difficult. And then to have to continually, it feels like defend yourself yeah. in regards to, um, to your profession and what you earn and taking on these additional, I mean, it's just, I feel so bad for our members um, that are working so hard in the trenches. Now with COVID, 
we've seen a spike in retirements in these positions. So a lot of them are really asking the question, are we going to know by June 30? Are we going to know, you know, because they're trying to plan. Do I try and stick with it or what do I need to do? So it's just tough situation. I know. And and I know you're working hard for us, Bob. Well, I appreciate that, Tina. Yeah. Yeah, we are. And it is, it is hard. Um, Like you say, I mean, you know, when, when you're trying, when people are getting letters now, from the 17, 18 school year, um, you know, it, it, it shows you sort of how, how difficult it is to sort of make these plans because you just don't know what pace the ORS is going to work at and when you're going to get hit with it uh, if you do. So, yeah. And we've just been telling, and I know you're repeating the same thing, just keep doing what we're doing. Um, We do see the light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, I feel uh, good about where we're at right now. And I know you and I have talked about, it's just, we gotta be patient as we we work through this. So Bob, was there something else that you think would be important for our members to know about this lawsuit that maybe we haven't touched on yet that you think would be beneficial in their planning or in their current positions? Um, As far as in their planning or current positions, I I think what I would say is, you know, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> you're doing, you're doing good, important work uh, and keep it up. And, and it's hard sometimes, you know, I, I can tell you, Tina, and I, I know you've seen this as well, right? Uh, educators are generally very selfless people, right? We, people don't go into education because they want to be wealthy and famous. <laughs> and so, uh, it's really hard for educators to then sort of turn and try and have to make sort of a self-centered decision, right? This is my pension and this is my future and my retirement. You know, what, what, how, how can I, how can I do this right? And, and what I would say is the important part is if, if, if you're in that situation where you have to take on extra duties or you, um, you know, you, you need to do HR for the next six months because you can't find a new HR director uh, at this point. Make sure it's in writing and it's spelled out as best you can, right? I mean, make sure that your contract and 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 try not to do it in in vague terms. Heck, I'd even say, you know, also filling the role of interim human resources director, and here's the amount of money that you're being paid for that position, because then it gives, it gives less argument for the ORS to make when it comes down to it. They're going to put you in that position to make you have to justify. And the more we can show the documentation to do it, uh, the better. And that can be a real pain. I understand, right? We're busy people. We don't want to be working through board meetings and contract language when the reality is, we're just trying to get the work done because you know we're we're in a mess and we're we're trying to make it happen. But it, it will be important, um, especially in, in in the interim here while we're waiting for this thing to play itself out. Uh, it can it can help uh, help alleviate some of that headache. Now, hopefully, we're we're soon victorious and we don't have to worry about the NSI any longer. We can you know, get that acronym out of our heads (laughs) once and for all, but we're not quite there yet. As we see, we have the opinion, but they're still applying it. Well, Bob, 
Thank you so much. And, and I really, again, I appreciate all the work that you've been doing. You and I continue to have conversations as cases come up, but I think that the, the best advice is yes, keep doing what you're doing, but let's not lose hope, right? We're, we're in a big fight and uh, we'll continue to fight this battle. And we appreciate all our members who continue to support that um, as we move forward. So thank you for sharing all the details with us. And uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Talk Soup. As always, please do not hesitate to contact myself or anyone on the MASA team if you have questions about this or any other issues. We are always here to help. Take care. Thanks for listening to Talk Soup. If this is your first taste, be sure to click subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at MASA Soups. If you'd like to share your story or information on TalkSoup, please visit gomasa.org slash TalkSoup to learn more.